Easter is unlike any that we have experienced in our lifetime. I mean, look around you. I'm being serious. I want you to look away from the screen and look around you right now. Most of us are worshiping in our homes. Some of us are by ourselves. Some of us with a few close family members. Who would have thought a month or two ago that this is how we would be worshiping on Easter? So many of the traditions that we associate with this day and with this celebration are changing and have been lost right in front of us. And I want to be clear, I am grateful for the miracle of technology that allows us to still worship this day fully, to fully declare that the tomb is empty and that Jesus is risen and alive. But I also think it's appropriate for us to name today the things that are lost this Easter, the things that we miss I miss being on campus and worshiping together in person today. I miss hearing hundreds of voices in unison declare together that Jesus Christ is risen today. I miss the pastel colors and the seersucker suits. I know some of you are wearing them anyway and more power to you this day. But it is appropriate and it is right to be able to name the things that we miss and see his loss even on a glorious Easter day. I want us this morning in the next few minutes to pay attention to what makes this Easter so different, so unique. Not to try to make it as normal as possible, because it's not normal. But instead to lean into that which makes today different from any other Easter that we've experienced in our lifetime in this season of COVID-19 and an Easter where we are wisely practicing social distancing. And the reason I want us to lean towards it today is I think that this particular Easter, even in what loss we experience, can actually get us closer to what the disciples experienced on that first Easter a couple of thousand years ago. I'm not saying it's the same, it's just closer to what they experienced. I mean, in the passage of Scripture that John just read, they are huddled together in a small number behind closed doors in a house, uncertain about the future, fearful of what lies ahead, full of apprehension and what is unknown. This should start sounding very familiar to us today. And if we can go into the uniqueness of what that first Easter was like, maybe as never before, it might be that we have a unique opportunity today to hear about the fullness and power of the resurrection as never before and what it means for our lives here today and always. Now, in this scripture passage that, that John read, uh, we, we added three extra verses. Usually on a typical Easter, we would end with verse 18 when Mary Magdalene preaches the first Easter sermon in history, when this woman goes to the, to the other disciples and declares, I have seen the Lord. But we added verses 19, 20, and 21 to be able to pay attention to what the rest of that Easter day was like. Now, what do we know from the text about what that first Easter was like? Well, again, the disciples are hiding. They are hiding in a house. They are sitting together behind locked doors, fearful of what will come in their lives next. They've just seen their leader murdered. 
Now, it's, it's also true that they knew that some strange things were happening. For example, they all knew as they huddled there together that Mary Magdalene had told them that the tomb was empty. In fact, two of the ones sitting in that house had gone and seen that the tomb was empty themselves, Peter and John. They hadn't encountered the resurrected Jesus, but they had gone back and told the others that something had happened and that the tomb was empty. We know further that all of those gathered there had then later heard from Mary Magdalene herself that she had not only seen an empty tomb, but she had experienced the presence of God, that she had seen the Lord. We know that they heard this from her. And yet, throughout that first Easter day, after those declarations that morning, they stayed in a house apprehensive about their future. And yet right there, as they were huddled together in fear, Jesus appears in their midst. We have no idea how the resurrected Jesus moves through those locked doors into their midst. But what we know from the text is all of a sudden he was among them and spoke the first four words that he spoke in his resurrected form to his gathered disciples as a group. Four words that I want you to hear today. Peace, he says. Peace be with you. Now, I imagine the scene that followed those words was anything but peaceful. I imagine the disciples jumping back and screaming. I wonder if they knew who this was. I wonder if they blamed each other for how this person got into their midst. Maybe they felt guilt when they started to realize it was Jesus. Maybe they thought they were about to get a lecture. Maybe they thought they had misunderstood what had happened. I don't know that it was peaceful at first. The text says then Jesus shows them the wounds on his body, the nail marks in his hands and in his feet, the wound in his side. It says when they see his wounds, they realize that it is the Lord and they rejoice. And as they are rejoicing, as their panic turns to rejoicing, Jesus repeats those four words again. His first eight words that are recorded to the disciples, a repetition of four words, peace, he says again, be with you. He meets them in that place of uncertainty and speaks peace. The first implications of the resurrection for these disciples in this house was for peace to come upon them. I wonder, in an age of COVID-19, I wonder in the midst of a global pandemic where we are practicing wise social distancing if those words might have particular meaning for us today. Peace, he says. The resurrection is about peace be with you. I'd like to take a minute to look at what the meaning of biblical peace is and what it might mean for us this Easter, but also what it's not. You see, in this era of an uncertain future, and I imagine what the disciples, as they were in home, a home uh, anticipating an unknown future, what they would have liked, what they would have thought would have given them peace, what many of us think would give us peace, is more knowledge and certainty about the future. I don't know about you, but I've heard countless people who have said, and I know that I have said it myself, that the hardest part of this COVID-19 pandemic for many of us is the unknown. There's so much we can no longer plan on. And it would feel like it would give us great comfort if we could start planning again, if we had more of a sense of control. If I take these steps, I'd just like to know if it will keep my family from getting sick. If we can apply for this part of the stimulus package, can the business survive? 
Are the children, oh my gosh, are the children going to be able to go back to school next fall? Our summer plan's going to happen. Should we make, uh, buy tickets for the travel plan or the family reunion planned in August? If I just knew and could get a sense of being able to plan and have things more predictable, then this idea of peace might be present. And what does this word mean? The Greek word Jesus speaks here is a particular kind of peace. The Greek word is eirene, which means a deep inner calm, a deep inner tranquility that he's talking about. But what Jesus does not offer is a peace that comes with four-step plans for the future. He doesn't look at the disciples and say, I want you to have peace because, guys, here's how all of this is going to work out. Let me map it out for you step by step and how each day is going to go forward. You don't need to be scared. Here's the guarantees of what's to come. He does not give them that. And we need to understand that true peace is not the acquisition of a sense of more control over our future, even though we would like it. To believe that is to believe that we were a people of Irene, we were a people of great inner calm before COVID, and it's only COVID that's taken that peace away from us. I would have many words to describe our lives and our culture before COVID-19, but a, a sense of deep inner calm as a society is not the word that I would run to. It's not COVID that's robbed us of that. And so we can't bow down to false gods of thinking that if we just had more predictability and control, then this sense of peace would come. And Jesus doesn't offer that to the disciples or to us, but he does offer peace. The peace he offers is himself, his presence. The fact that while we do not know what today and tomorrow always hold, that whatever today and tomorrow hold, whatever this world and the world to come hold, we do not face it alone. We face it with a God, a God who is personal enough to come to us. He comes to the disciples of all the things that he could have done after the resurrection. He goes to the disciples, to those whom he loved. It is an amazing thing to be chosen. And you don't have to come to church, to campus this morning, to experience the presence of God. God moves through locked doors and moves through isolation and comes to us, his beloved. God is small enough and personal enough that he cares and approaches all of us on this Easter that he is still moving in these kinds of ways and that we can have hope because God cares about us in every detail of our lives and the lives of those whom we love. But he is also large enough and powerful enough that he has conquered all of the forces that are outside of that house that are scaring the disciples. He has conquered of uh, 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 betrayal, he has conquered uh, uh, crucifixion, he has conquered death, that he has overcome anything that the world can throw at us. And as the Apostle Paul writes, the amazing thing is nothing now has the power to separate us from him. And that is he has overcome the world. So shall we. This is what Christianity at its core is about, that peace comes in the form of a person. And in the days and weeks to come, if we can draw closer and closer and closer to the person of Jesus, to the resurrected Christ, in that relationship, our peace will become more abundant and increase. And so I declare to you today, with joy, that the tomb is indeed empty, that Jesus is alive. And in this COVID-19 world, where we sit in homes practicing isolation from one another physically. 
May the words that Jesus first speaks to the disciples in a very similar situation resonate in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives this day. Peace be with you. May it be so. Amen.